0: how's it going champagne sharks this is trevor go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks subscribe you get a lot of back episodes that you may not have heard over probably about a hundred at this point and plus a lot more content for not a lot of money plus access to the voice and chat server on the discord and some other goodies that we have planned in the coming weeks but have not announced yet so yeah $25 a month patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and we have with us uh, a bunch of people so i'm figuring i'll just go in alphabetical order i think that's the easiest way uh, uh adam you can go first just introduce yourself say where you're from and you know what say what generational designation you go by because that's relevant to this particular episode it's not what we usually do but i figure it's good to get it out the way now and any other information that you think is relevant or pertinent to you you including if you want to plug anything
1: sure yeah um my name's adam hudson um i'm a freelance journalist and musician my stuff has appeared in truth out alternate um uh, telesaur the nation a bunch of other publications i typically write about guantanamo police brutality, gentrification. I'm from the Bay Area, born and raised, born in Oakland, um, raised in Pittsburgh. And oh, yeah. So generation, I'm a millennial. I'm 31. So I'm like right in that sort of right smack dab in the middle of millennial. But apparently, yeah, more like so there's like a weird distinction between like older millennials and younger millennials. So I was born in the 80s. So I would be considered an older millennial. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm also finishing up an MFA in nonfiction writing at University of San Francisco.
0: Oh, cool! And uh, oh, one last thing for everyone to do is just give like a racial designation so people know. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. uh, I'm black. You know, just black American. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, Adrian. hey what's going on it's your
2: boy adrian aka a double host of the podcast um Rags and boat shoes um what else you need to know um i'm an old millennial i guess um born in 83 so i'll be 36 in a couple months um yeah that's pretty much it i don't know what else you need t
0: (laughs) oh oh, yeah And, and your racial
2: designation oh yeah i'm black but i guess you could call me an octoroon maybe a old school term but I'm black though
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: but I, I consider myself black so black American
0: <laughs> okay i uh, alright and uh, Aki
3: hey so I am formerly known as Aki on Twitterverse um, had to rebrand I forgetting. Slapped on the hand for talking bad about Kanye West. So now you can find me at Henrietta Snacks on Twitter. Um, I live down in Houston, Texas, and I actually just had to Google this to be sure, because I've always called myself Generation X, but I am an old millennial. So like Adrian, I, <laughs> I was born in the early 80s, so I'm an old mm. millennial. God, yeah. That's disappointing. Um, <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> and <I'm Yeah>. a,
3: <laughs> a black American.
0: You know what I gotta say, um, and and Adam made this point to me, and you know I have to offer a formal apology to uh, millennials because I'm Gen X, and I was kind of I I didn't realize I was lumping millennials with Gen Z, and Mm -hmm. I kind of started realizing a lot of stuff I was giving. Millennials Flack 4 was actually uh, Gen Z behavior and I'm like I'm really confused now because they're getting (laughs) weirder and weirder online Mm -hmm. and we were having this kind of argument well several times me and the co-host of the show me and people in real life Me and people of all different age groups where we were kind of debating about how much is online reflective of uh, real life. And my personal theory is what you guys are free to agree or disagree with is that uh, online is becoming more real than real life. Like it's like hyper real. Mm -hmm. Like I think everything is happening online. It's like the canary in the gold mine and the coal mine. And it's going to start reflecting in uh, the real world. But I'm in Brooklyn so it might not be the most typical like i literally live around like a ton of like the weird blue check writers that like i talk (laughs) about like one time to give you an idea how bad it was one time i was in a bar and i was sitting next to somebody i'm like oh my god this is is a black writer at the New York Times, and I'm like, I think I spoke about them before. And then uh the guy next to me was like, Oh, you should get them on your podcast. And they w- said, Hey, this g- hey, how you doing? I heard you write for the New York Times. You know, it was introducing me. I'm like, No, shut up, like, you know, <laughs> don't don't tell them what the podcast is. I don't want to uh, deal with it. But it's like that. So I'm I don't know if I'm the most typical choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I figured I wanted to cross section of people in different parts of the country like you know so we have people who've touched in the bay area pittsburgh omaha houston I, I, and different generational uh designations to kind of see what the consensus is or what people's experiences. is because i know if you if you live like in some place like portland or brooklyn it's a very atypical fishbowl
3: um, i would definitely agree i feel like you're probably getting more of the day-to-day like chance run-ins with the people we all mock, whereas in Houston, Texas, I'm just now starting to have some experience with some Gen Zers and starting to hear that some of the things I thought was just online behavior is slowly starting to make its way out into the real world.
0: I'll I, I add one more thing. I think this is my personal um, experience. I think here in places that are like hyper like media focused and very hipster, I think it's more likely to find this behavior bleeding into like millennials and Gen X and stuff. And you even find some weird boomers who, uh, you know, talk like this. But I think in the rest of the country, what's going to happen is people around our age are underestimating it or don't know anyone like this, but it's their little brothers, their Gen Z cousins and family or coworkers that are, you know, under the radar absorbing all of this, you know what I'm saying? And I think in the rest of the country, we're really going to feel it when Gen Z enters the workplace or, you know, comes home from college. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll add some, I should probably clarify, uh um, the Pittsburgh I live in is actually in the Bay Area. Um, just just to be clear. Sometimes, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um it's like east of Oakland. It has a steel mill, hence the name Pittsburgh. Um uh-huh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um yeah, I I'll bring up two examples. So I'm a teaching assistant at two different community colleges in the Bay Area. And um, this is when I really saw the generational divide between millennials and Gen Z because a lot of my students are like 18, 19, 20. So that's, that's Gen Z basically. And, um, I remember one class I was TAing last semester. Um, it was an English class. We were talking about subcultures. And so normally when, when you think of subcultures, it's like punk, um, greasers, um, even early hip hop, right? But in um, the T-shirt, the professor, she was also around my age. We were both in our we we're both in our early thirties, and um, we were kind of listing out different subcultures. And one of the students said, brought up that um, a lot of their subcultures are from online. And the professor and I looked at each other. We were like, "Wait, what the?" I had never heard of a subculture like forming online. So this is stuff like things you put on your. I don't know, Instagram profile or whatever. And so like there are little online kind of subcultures that form uh, on the internet versus like, you know, punk rock in the 70s or or um, any other subculture that kind of forms offline traditionally or in like meat space or in, you know, the real physical world. And so a lot of students said that they identified with subcultures that were more online rather than, than offline, which that was something I'd never even considered and then um i remember early when i started being a ta i'm sure you guys know of um, ben shapiro so yeah beforehand like i didn't really give ben shapiro any sort of attention i was just like okay he's just some some sort of right wing weirdo online whatever like why why should i pay attention to him but then talking to other students they're like constantly quoting um ben shapiro as like someone like when they're working on their research papers they would Stumble upon people like Ben Shapiro or Paul Joseph Watson as, like, you know, figures worth possibly quoting or debating in a research paper and i was like what what the wow what the, i was like what the fuck <laughs> I was like, you know i was like what something something yeah. interesting
0: about that that i think you uh i'm glad you brought it up is in some ways these tendencies the right and the left are almost more like each other than they are like older generations like I, i'm glad you brought that up that a lot of this uh stuff is not just 4chan and it's not just tumblr and sjw's like they kind of both are very similar like like an alt-right guy can come at you with some weird um anime avatar but tumblr weirdo can come at you with the exact same anime avatar like there's a lot of overlap in how they argue and how they um form online communities that i think doesn't get enough uh attention
2: I think um, for me, on my end, being in such a red state, I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the state of Nebraska, like the um, the votes for the president, you know, ele- electoral college, they can be divided up. We got three of them, and so like Omaha and Lincoln is always like progressive, but everything else, you know, those other counties are, you know, just diehard red states, and so we always turn the state purple, is what you know progressives love to say. But I knew it was real when online culture started crossing over into the real world when. Um Creighton University here, um, it was a bunch of uh, right wing students. They actually brought Ben Shapiro here on the low to do like a speech. And that's when I was just like, oh, this shit is real. People take him actually seriously. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I be- I believe it, man. It's like um, it's,
2: it's amazing to me that, you know, just the talking head from YouTube is just morphing all these young people, you know?
1: Yeah. And the students I was talking to like most of my students <clears throat> black and latino like lower income working class black and latino students and you know none of them really agreed with Shapiro or guys like him but it was more like hey this guy is kind of coming up on a google search so for example like a lot of times like part of the part of the requirement in like transfer level english courses at the community college level here in california is to you know, do research papers and be competent in that. And then like, you know, pass that class, and then you can transfer to like University of California or California State University system. And, you know, so they're doing research online, Google, and then someone like Ben Shapiro comes up. So like, let's say if they're doing a research paper on immigration, police brutality, which often comes up a lot, because like I said, these are mostly black and Latino students. And so they're researching topics that, you know, are a little bit more immediate to them. So they research those topics. And then someone like Ben Shapiro comes up and they'll ask me, like, hey, like, you know, what do you think of this guy? Like, how should I? It, it, basically trying to formulate arguments against what he's saying because they kind of know that he's wrong. And again, this is the Bay Area. It might be different in other areas. But in the Bay Area, they're like, they kind of know that he's wrong, but they don't really know how to actually argue against Ben Shapiro. But what was, what was just mind blogging to me is the fact that, like, why someone like Ben Shapiro would be taken as a serious intellectual Right. And even in the, oh, was it the New York Times, they called Ben Shapiro the cool kiss philosopher or some weird Yeah, title. it's very yeah. weird
0: how they do that. The whole intellectual dark web articles they had where they're elevating these people they're, or the Richard Spencer um, puff pieces where they call them dapper. There is some kind of weird fixation that uh, these so-called progressive uh, liberal places have with like white supremacists. It's weird. And that's definitely
3: something that I think we can see tied to kind of the online culture, because it's not just with people who get picked up and without any real um, credentials behind them will be upheld as an authority figure, someone who's worth quoting or someone who's worth seriously engaging and debating. We have that going on. But I think it's just kind of another example of how celebrity is built off just having a following. If people just know who you are, then you must be an authority in whatever context they know you in or don't. even
0: even in other contexts like you could be famous for, you could be known for like one thing and you just are writing about other stuff and people will just follow you from topic to topic that's even like weirder than me like like someone like lovey like lovey stuff got known for doing uh scandal live tweetings right
1: where <laughs> yeah <she was> doing <laughs> jokey live tweets right
0: and she got a big following and honestly <laughs> even those weren't funny like a primary hustle this wasn't funny it was that corny that like kind of blabbery humor where it's like everyone's just doing polite laughter to each other but doing going over the top with it right she spun that off into a relationship and self-help book i'm like why would being good at uh scandal retweets like and i'm saying that like giving her a lot of benefit of the doubt That's a very gracious to say that she was even good at that like why would i give you new york times best-selling advice book or now you get to speak about race. Like, they, they called her places to talk about, like, slavery and stuff. She I mean, she's not even in ADOS, which is weird. Like, you know, she's she was there at the opening inauguration of, like, the uh, African American Museum. Right. It's just, it just, like, really weird. Because when I first heard about her, I thought she came up for something intellectual. It was not say she was well famous getting all these gigs. that I found out that the start was um, scandal recaps.
3: Lovey is a perfect example because I think she's one of those people that only someone who spends a healthy amount of time online would even know who you're talking about. Like if I were just out at brunch with my friends and we're at different levels in terms of how much we engage online, most of my friends are you don't even have a Twitter but if I were to just mention Lovey in passing I don't think they would know who I'm talking about
0: but well, what if you ask people 25 and under in your same city
3: that might be different and That's I do have I'm to admit that I don't have as much of a casual you know relationship with people in that age group
0: yes um
3: but to give an example similar to what you guys have noticed because i also have a teaching role in my professional life but mine is more like being a clinical supervisor to um junior therapists coming up so they'll come and they'll rotate with me um and i'm just now realizing that some of our new class trainees are coming in they're bringing in some of the um I guess people would say SJW kind of language. I wouldn't call it that because it's not really off-putting to me and I actually think it's valuable. But for instance, my trainee will introduce herself and then give her um, preferred pronouns, for instance. Oh, yeah. And that's something that kind of threw off everybody else in our clinical team meeting because nobody else did it. Everybody said our name.
0: Especially in Houston, Texas. That's like, I'm sure it doesn't go over like very easily. It's a big golf truck.
3: And I don't think it necessarily offended anyone. I think it confused people and then it put people on alert. Like everyone in the room, I think, kind of became aware of how old or out of touch they are because they were like, wait, wait, wait are we supposed to say, like, am I supposed to say she, her, hers, like what's going on? And so we had to talk about it later in one of our staff meetings and the amount of unwokeness in the room, I think was very um, palpable. Like people had no idea what cis hetero meant. People had no idea why she was announcing her, her pronouns. And to that extent with me being kind of older millennial, I felt well equipped to kind of help people with talking through those things. So You're like the Gen I haven't Z whisperer
0: had, in the office. I am. I'm the Gen Z whisperer. So that made me feel like
3: a little bit more relevant for a second. But I haven't had so much of the off-putting aspects of these online fringe groups popping up in real life. That's the first true signs of it and it's not something that's
0: truly objectionable to me Uh, one similar story I had to what you just mentioned I wanted to get involved in more uh, real life activism so I was kind of curious as to what groups were happening in Brooklyn you know but one of the problems is like you know I feel like that's kind of like a younger person's game but I just wanted to see if anything I could do to help you know give any assistance but I figured that if I was going to find anyone really actively doing any Any programs or anything, it would probably be uh, younger people, which I think ended up being the case, like people who had like full time organizations or grassroots things they were doing. You know, so I just I just wanted to just connect with people like that, talk to them, uh, see what I could do. And there was one group that was happening uh, around the corner for me. And they rented out this space for like a week with different events. And I'm like, this is around the corner for me. Let me go check it out. I went over there and it was. This thing that was geared toward uh, black Asian solidarity. So they had uh, a lot of like black activists and a lot of uh, Asian activists. But I'm like, I'll go to some of these meetings and see what they're raising awareness about, uh, whatever. So I I went. They had a program that was very, I think, nice. What it was, was they were, they had some Black Panthers uh, from New York, who had spent a lot of time in jail on all types of fucked up and trumped up charges. Like they were the people who lost their cases. So there were all these political prisoners who had just recently kind of come home and they were talking about the importance of doing this letter writing program to write letters to, um, Panthers who were locked up, who still haven't come home yet. And you can find people, take addresses, do all this stuff and it seemed pretty cool. I'm like, okay, this is a good program. And then the kids, the younger people running the program started going around the room and they said, "Okay, so can everyone say this, this, this and your preferred pronouns?" So you got pushing these old Panthers who have not been out like in decades, you know, just recently out, and they looked really confused. I'm like, what's going to happen when it goes when it goes over to them, you know? So when they responded uh, some of them didn't use like their their pronouns. And then these activists were like, uh, please remember to use your pronouns. And I'm like, come on, you can let that just slide for, I mean, these guys are like 70 plus. They're, right. Yeah, yeah. And I found that like, really interesting, like it, it was, I don't want to say it's totally dogmatic. Like I have no problem with them making that a priority or something that they um, want to, focus on or make part of their social custom that's you're right but it was kind of weird how they didn't have the flexibility to understand like these old school dudes who plus have been locked up to begin with and have done like an incredible sacrifice so they kind of earned a little leeway like you know you can give them a little be a little lax with them but just understand their context it was an inability to kind of understand their context really
1: yeah, someone from the Bay Area, like the Black Panthers, that's a, you know, big part of especially Oakland history. So, yeah, I can imagine um how, like, weird it is for them to, you know, hear that. Because, yeah, like, they how long were they locked up since the 70s, right?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, these people were locked up, okay. I believe, since the 70s. Some might be okay. a little bit later, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've only been out like a little while, like, and it was just, it was just a weird thing to get kind of stuck on in the meeting. It was because it, it was a little speed bump that you know they had to be kind of ironed out. Yeah, it was like they were gracious about it. They just didn't understand. They needed like explained.
1: Did anyone explain it to them, or like how did that go? And
0: during the meeting, like not really. I don't know if later on someone did, but uh, I'm I, like. They explained it to the point of, um, they said, they're like, pronouns? He goes, yeah, the pronouns you identify yourself by. And once they said that, they were like, oh, okay. So then they said it, but it was like a little bit of like befuddlement. And because they were kind of like, what pronouns would I I identify by? Like, it's not obvious, you know, know, because they're from the old school. You know what I'm saying? And I think if it was a seminar based on gender awareness or transgender awareness, Then I can understand getting hung up on that even in the uh, introduction stage maybe. But this is about political prisoners, and this is one of the political prisoners. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I would think you suspend that, at least in his answer. You understand, like, okay, yeah. I understand why he didn't answer that. So be it. And uh, move on. But
3: Yeah, it is very disrespectful to kind of their panelists or guests of honor. Yeah. This is about political prisoners <laughs> and the people who took time out to come there, people who actually lived it and are obviously of a different generation. It just, that to me would have read as very disrespectful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I agree because it's like you know, and especially since the action and the organizing is based off of you know the fucked up shit that went to, particularly at the hands of the U.S. government. Like, yeah, you you at least want to be a little bit more like a little more empathetic in terms of like that c- clear cultural gap between their generation and this generation and to like, yeah, like kind of
0: cut up some slack a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and to be clear, like it wasn't like a major disruption or anything. It was just something that was, happened a couple of moments, but to me kind of stood out as like they weren't like badgering the guys and like, you know, haranguing them, but you know, they would just be like, oh, don't forget your pronouns. And there would be like a little bit of confusion that to me was very foreseeable. Like, you know, like, um, of course, if you're going to bring that up, he's going to be confused. It was something that I just found like, I felt there was just a weird kind of disconnect. As, yeah. Like the tone that,
3: deafness there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. It more, it a, more, yeah. It was more, it was more,
0: it was more tone deafness than a overt rudeness or a, 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 aggressiveness. It was just this weird kind of tone deafness where I was wondering, like, I felt like when I was a kid, we were kind of raised to kind of understand um the adult world a little more whereas i feel like with that gen z and younger this is kind of thing where they can't understand an adult at all like they have like their experience is like they feel like they're from another planet or something
3: and they probably feel like it's the adult or older person's responsibility to get on board with the times
0: Yes, yes.
3: You're like the onus and the burden is placed on them to get hip to it. Like, oh, this is something we should have been doing all along is identifying our pronouns, not making assumptions about how people identify based on how they look. And just thinking that if you're not there yet, then it's becoming upon you to go ahead and get there. Exactly. Just, yeah.
1: And also the reason why there is that cultural gap is because of, you know, they are, these political prisoners are referring to are pretty much victims of U.S. government repression of black liberation movements in the 60s and 70s. So it's not like they chose to be ignorant of this stuff, because when you're in prison for like 30, 40 years there's going to be a lot of cultural things you miss out on. And so, you know, it's not like these guys are ignorant of their own volition. It's like they were in prison for a long time. So yeah, there's going to be a cultural gap. I think it would be different if it was like, I'm going to, um, uh, maybe someone like Joe Biden, who is like, incredibly toned up to a ton of things and clearly hates millennials. Like I can kind of see, you know, Gen Z and millennials rightfully getting pissed off at him because it's like, dude, you've, you've, you know, it's not like he went to prison or anything or suffered that much. Well, I mean, to be fair, he did suffer with this son dying, but like, you know, it's not like he's a political prisoner, you know, it's a, different kind of situation than yeah if you're a political prisoner and this in is, prison and this is job
0: yeah it's his job to connect with his voting public too right, so it's yeah. like you know it's part of his job to have some kind of a semblance of some kind of awareness of their needs
3: yeah exactly it's his job to be able to speak people's languages because he's asking for their support he's coming to you for something like being a politician is part of your job to know what's going on keeping a finger on the pulse So different than the guys you're talking about at this meeting, who for legitimate reasons are out of the loop. Yeah. And
1: it's, yeah. And it was stuff that's like, oh, sorry. I mean, I just, yeah, again, it's just, it's stuff that was like kind of one could argue it's not their fault because there was this, I think it gets underappreciated the extent to which the U S government decapitated black liberation groups in the sixties and seventies. And like, these guys are, are pretty much a living part of,
0: of that. It, yeah. Ca-
1: yeah. Of that campaign. So yeah. But, so it's but, like, you know, they didn't so, choose to be ignorant of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, and, and some things that were weird too, was like some of their later events in that, uh, in that initiative was like, they had some kind of like a uh, party. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like, you have you having a party? Like I'm too old for it, but you know, by all means, like that's that's cool. I was walking home one day and I passed by it on the night that the party was happening. I just happened to uh, walk by it because it's around the corner from my house, and a lot of people were coming in cosplay and all this kind of um, uh. anime and and. You know, talking about K pop, it was just very weird. I was like,
2: So, let me ask you this this, this, this black and Asian coalition, what were they celebrating with this party? Like, what was it trying to be achieved? Like, what goal did they reach?
0: That's the first thing. Why was there a party at all? Yeah. You know, that's, that's interesting, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, like, the, if I had to try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. What I would try to guess, right? I'm just trying to give as much benefit of the doubt as possible. Maybe they thought it would be like a mixer, black people and Asian people to meet each other. But at the same time, is a part of the best way to do that. You know, because then the fact that it's in a party makes you think they might be more about like hooking up than actual. Exactly. Exchange I thought of ideas. The way my You're mind worked. Party.
3: Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: I was just saying,
2: the way my mind worked, I was thinking maybe one of the Panthers got a pronoun right and they were celebrating. But.
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 no, the party was in the itinerary supposedly from the beginning. Oh, okay. But, uh, okay. All right.
3: <laughs> But the thing is, not so much just a party, like just a place where you're not necessarily talking heavy activism, but a place to just relax, have a few drinks, get to know each other. You said it was cosplay. Like people are showing up like they're going to a convention or something.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of like something else that I find is very in that generation is this this fusion of everything. Like, you know, I'm always thinking about like uh, activism, sex, anime and Marvel movies at the same time all the Mm. time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and socialism Y'all
0: yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah and, and social well it depends on the politics if they're socialist and you know then they're, they're, they're talking anti-capitalist if they're leading to the alt-right then they're bringing that in like you know mm-hmm. but, but actually let me just say politics it's not socialism let me say the broad politics because some of them are centrist but yeah so they have politics porn entertainment uh sex, relationships, activism on the mind at once all the time it's like everything's just weirdly blurred um together to the point like it's in the same conversation. And it's just weird. Like, you see, like, Roxanne Gay is, like, you know, very fluent in that uh, language, right? And I know she's, I know she's, like, um, pretty popular, but she's like that. She'll talk about writing for Batgirl and, you know, trying to get a job with uh, DC right after talking about, like, um, some type of activism in, in the next breath. But they'll, like, m- meld it together even in one tweet sometimes. Like, it's this idea. Like, like I'll give you an example. The lady, one of the Black Lives Matter ladies, right? She just got um, signed by C e- A A, the uh, agency. You know, you mm-hmm. know, C A A is right. The writer uh, ages
1: Not, not quite. It sounds familiar. It's one of those. Yeah, it sounds like an, an agency, right? Some sort of a,
0: a creative artist agency. It's one uh, of the okay. hugest agencies. Like, um, oh,
1: okay, gotcha.
0: To give you, to give you an idea of like. Um, who they represent. They represent like J.J. Abrams, Jennifer Aniston, mm. Alec Baldwin. Like basically any anyone you can think of. George Clooney. They have George Clooney, Jessica Chastain, James Cameron, Nicolas Cage, Sandra Bullock. Like, like it's a big uh, agency. And um, the lady from, one of the ladies from Black Lives Matter just got signed with them. Just got signed with them to be a TV writer. And I'm like, and she just announced that it like, it's the most normal thing in the world. And I'm like, that seems really weird. Like, l- like picture in the middle of like Martin Luther King's career, he just announced, you know, I have an announcement. I'm writing on Star Trek. You know, you know, this is just like announced he was just a Star Trek writer. It would be Ooh. fucking weird. Like, like, I, like, I just, yeah. Yeah.
1: I just looked up CAA and uh, on their Wikipedia page. So they were actively involved in cover-ups relating to abuse and harassment by Harvey Weinstein. Mm. So there's that with CAA. Yeah, they're apparently complicit in uh, covering up some of the yeah sexual assault and harassment allegations against uh, Harvey Weinstein. And Uma Thurman, I think, criticized them for that, I believe. Yeah, she did.
3: Now, yeah. that's I- interesting. Because like, you know, a lot of this group that we're talking about with all these melded identities and special interests, I think you could toss in there as well with their activism, kind of that Me Too element,
0: but they are still seeking
3: acceptance and credentials from the exact institutions that allows those kinds of abuses to happen.
0: And you know what else is happening too was they had some kind of labor problems right CAA where basically what she's doing uh someone sent me the article but I don't have it handy she's kind of being a strike breaker with this sign which is like kind of weird but when I heard about it I'm like okay I'll give the benefit of the doubt you know this is weird but maybe what she's doing is um maybe what she's doing is Developing television shows or whatever, writing on television shows that raise like social awareness for uh black people, whatever. And then I saw what she was actually working on. She's been a she's been in the writer in the writer's room this show for like about a year or so. Uh, and it's a show called The Good Something. It's um. Oh, Good Trouble! It's a show called Good Trouble, right? The um, it's a it's a spinoff of a show called The Fosters. It's on Freeform. Or it used to be ABC Family. It's about these two girls who, you know, it's a spinoff of that show. These two girls live together. One is white, one is Hispanic, and they. I'm like, why is she writing that? Like, it's, that's just like really weird to me. And so she's rep by CAA. It's Patrice Coolors. She's um working on this uh thing called Good Trouble, which is on the old ABC Family she's now a full-time writer in the in the writer's room she just finished publishing her memoir i'm like okay so what is your hustle i don't get it but i think that's kind of the norm now like your hustle is just get clout Mm. and as long as you're continually getting clout then there's a continuity to it like like to to like that to those type of people she's still in her lane because her lane is clout
3: Mm. i see and you know what's funny is when people realize that their lane which is just clout by any means necessary When they kind of run into a hard brick wall where they realize how far the reach extends or doesn't extend, that's always fun to watch. Like with the Dave Chappelle kind of uh, backlash he's getting for this latest Netflix um, special that he has, I'm noticing there's people who I guess assume they have a voice and so much ability to corral outrage and cancel people, and they're realizing it's not happening. Like, I think. To go back to Lovey, I think we mentioned her earlier. She's another one of those people who has a tweet out there about how awful it was, some of the things he said. And if it was a black woman who said it, we'd want her tarred and feathered. I'm I'm paraphrasing. But the immediate reaction I had to her tweet is, but you're not Dave Chappelle. Like, you don't have legitimate comedic talent. She does not. And years and years under your belt. Like, you're never going she's just not
0: she's not funny
3: yeah you're, you're you're putting it more plain you're not even funny like you you literally are here because of this weird kind of space and moment in time that allows you to be relevant without actually being funny you're not going to get people to cancel a legitimate tried and true skilled Entertainer, And the fact and, that you think is, you can yeah. is just bewildering.
0: And this is why I think the Dave Chappelle thing really bothers them, like big time. And I think this is the first time they tried to take down a black man that most white people like. Yes. And now they're starting to realize we don't really have any power to take down black men, except what white people let us. Like, <laughs> white people only let us take down the black people they are, they want taken down already for some reason. You like know Nate I mean? and,
3: Parker with Birth of a Nation. They were very yeah. successful, outraging, and it actually had a tangible consequence for him. And they're hungry they, they can't themselves on do
0: it. The, yeah, they're patting themselves on the back for that, but... White people for whatever reason wanted Nate Parker to go and you were allowed to do that. Like white people like Dave Chappelle. And you could and now and I think that bothers them for a second reason, which is they compromise, always say the mainstream right thing, the politically the, polit- the correct thing. Twenty four seven, even if that to throw black people under the bus, gear up to dignity just to get like white approval. Uh like they will never ever say something pro-black if it's going to cause too much white backlash from the kind of white people they like, like like liberal, progressive, like whites that give like, out the media jobs. Here you have someone who is not biting his tongue and saying whatever the fuck he wants, which you are never free to do because you because you're such a climber or a sycophant. Not only is he getting better results than you, he's getting better results than the exact white people whose attention that you crave the most. and mm-hmm. this gotta be like extra bad when like you know you you sell out your own integrity for something and someone else who kept their integrity is actually getting what you want better than you.
3: Definitely I've even seen in some of their outrage threads about Dave, I'll see every once in a while like a like for instance a white lesbian woman chime dancing hey yeah I watched his special with my girlfriends. We listened to his jokes about gays, we laughed and no one died. Like even they're kind of slick coming to Dave's defense Kind of saying, hey, some of you people are kind of, you know, overdoing it. It's comedy. We're not triggered by it. We're okay. And so I think that that kind of reality is starting to hit for people that, whoa, like I'm sitting here trying to use what power I've levied, which is to get people all riled up and take down a black man on command. And by damn, I can't. He's stronger than me, and he has more of the clout and legitimate love of the people whom I want it from. So I'm really enjoying seeing that Dave Chappelle backlash just to see it go down in flames. It's a sick part of me just enjoy seeing it go down.
1: You know, this um, discussion about uh, clout reminds me of uh, before this discussion, I was thinking about because I knew we were going to be talking about social media and it seeping into real life. And um, I've been thinking of um, more just like how much um, control the social media companies have over internet traffic, our kind of day-to-day behavior, because, you know, I I think some of the problem is less to do with um, uh, social media and more to do with, um, say, just the fact that like these social media is controlled by companies like Facebook, Twitter, Google. um, They have such a huge amount of control over internet traffic and what gets disseminated. And, and I think a lot of – I think the more I think about it, like, a lot of discussions about online kind of come from – the stem from the fact that online discourse is really kind of mediated through a handful of large corporations, essentially. And, um, like, for example, like, you know, remember when Alex Jones got uh, what axed from YouTube and uh, – Google and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that shows like how much power these companies have that like, you know, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter can essentially like, you know, almost virtually kind of push someone away from the so-called public, the public square, so to speak, which you know, the public square is now online. And, um, you know, I think like, you know, when it when it comes to online, I mean, Facebook and Twitter, like their their job as companies is not to it's not to ensure like that there is like this sort of free flow of ideas and a free marketplace for the public good. It's not to spread verifiable facts and information like their job is to maximize profit. And I think this clout chasing kind of ties into that, I think, like because you know, it's all like this sort of numbers game on like who's who can get the most hits on on Twitter and Google and, and Facebook. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that's like a huge part of um, the discussion in terms of like how our discourse is shaped. Like, you know, when I think of social media, I don't I don't just think about like just talking on the Internet, but it's more like the fact that we can communicate on the Internet, what we look up, what we look up online, a lot of that is mediated through a handful of large corporations. And I think, to me, that seems like the big elephant in the room is like, should we have like have pretty much and an essentially like Facebook, Google and Twitter and these companies functioning as some sort of monopoly. And even you can look at like Amazon right? There are so many bookstores that have been closed down because they can't compete with Amazon. And now Amazon has physical bookstores. So basically they kind of crush their competition and now they have their own bookstores. And it feels weird. Like whenever I go into a Bars and Noble, I feel like I'm protesting against Amazon when Bars and Noble used to be the evil, the evil corporation before Amazon. So... You know, I think, um, yeah, this clout chasing that people do, and you can see it even with musicians as well. Like, there's a lot of clout chasing there. It, a lot of it's mediated through, like, you know, who, who who can get the most hits? Who can spark the most outrage? Uh, who can be the most sort of kind of controversial or edgy on on the internet? Because it seems like it, w- the things that kind of get famous on the internet are, uh, uh, are that.
0: There's a show that I saw once, right? Uh, I can't remember. It was an old sitcom or something but i what happened was there was this girl she wanted to um she wanted to impress all the cool kids in her school and she thought her younger sister was embarrassing or something i forget what sitcom episode this was it might, it might have been like a full house or something but uh she thought like somebody was like super embarrassing you did like a hick uh a hick cousin coming to visit or whatever so she was trying to hide hick cousin or little sister from everyone like i think the system i forgot what it was the system might have been a tomboy or or the cousin might have been a hick i don't remember but what Anyway, what happened was she threw a party at her house. Uh, she tried to, like, hide the person she was trying to hide. And she was doing all this ass kissing, trying to talk to the most popular boy in the school, all this stuff. And then whatever she did to sideline the family members she was trying to hide didn't work. And they ended up walking into the party. And she's like, oh, my God, this embarrassing uh dweeb or rube going to ruin everything. And then that person, everything they did, their goofiness their whatever, everyone found refreshing. That person ended up being more popular with all the people she was trying to. Uh, and then they let her into the club. And uh, sidelined uh, the girl. And that was supposed to be like the lesson of the episode. And she was all like pissed. And she got mad. She was like, why are you hanging out with her? Don't you see what a dweep she is? And he goes, dweeb, you're the dweeb. Get out of here. And they just like kicked her out. And this thing that was happening with like this crowd and Dave Chappelle reminded me of that episode. Like, you're not supposed to like him. We've been telling you about people like him forever, you know? Right, We've been kissing your ass all this time. But they fucking love it. They don't care. They're like, right? I think it's... um
2: one of those things where Dave Chappelle kind of walks that line where he is the stereotypical white friend, but he's like cool with black people too. You know what I'm saying? So he just walks that really fine line and, and he's just, he's just funny. So, you know, he, says all kind of jokes about poor white people and you know he jokes about black folks but it's in a way that everybody can you know laugh at it if that makes sense you know he just yeah he's just a stereotypical white friend but he's everybody knew that guy at school you know in high school who was you know pretty much hanging out with the white kids but at the same time he could kick it with the black folks and he wasn't as corny you know what I'm saying Yeah, so.
0: exactly which is like that's like a dying breed kind of and he's like from that dying breed where he can hang out with the white guys but you still have an authentically black uh experience and friend circle as well and you can even bring them together sometimes which is something that's even harder like you can throw a party where both of them show up and you can make it work uh speaking of great comedy though like i'd ask some of these people like okay if you don't like him who do you like? Because I'm going like, to have a positive conversation or at least let me know what your baseline is. And then, and I showed you this one, Aki. The guy's like, well, and this one was a communist. He had a whole bunch of communist stuff. And a lot of times, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I know there's a great tradition of, black communists and black socialists and stuff. But what's funny is this Gen Z tendency has even ruined like that. Like, you know, black Marxism and stuff. Like you get a lot of these people doing this same kind of weird clout chasing stuff just with uh socialism. You know, you know, like he like said, so so this guy was a commandante something and he was like a black guy and he had like a hammer and sickle and everything. And I'm like, okay, um uh, can you give me the, he said uh Dave Chappelle doesn't have the range or the depth. And I'm like, what? Wow, kind of bold to be just declaring that this guy who made so much money in comedy doesn't have the range. So I'm like, uh, can you name some black comics who do have the range? Because I, I want to know what his baseline was or how seriously to take him. And he was like, uh, I'm not the one to ask because I don't watch comedy like that. And I was like, oh man, seriously? That's, like, that's always the worst.
3: <laughs> but what about the one you kept pressing and he did name a comic? Do you remember who he said?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he said um, Wanda Sykes and he cited her new... <laughs> (laughs) her new Netflix special (laughs) not even old vintage Wanda Sykes I think older Wanda Sykes actually was like pretty funny um and then she, she kind of became like a black ellen or something recently i'm not really kind of crazy about it not but he, he said specifically her last netflix special and i have a feeling he didn't watch it a lot of people don't watch the shit that they say they watch they just pretend to support because a lot of this stuff that they stand online or talk about on tumblr keeps going under and you find out these people weren't buying this thing they uh, were vocally asking Uh, These companies for
3: And I think um, It's a point I think You and I may have Talked about You know Privately But just This idea That they support things Based on the identity Of the person Not really based on Whether they enjoy it Or whether they actually Laugh And it's a comedy special But, you know, she's black, she's lesbian, she's a woman, she's progressive. I think she's funny. And that's, again, not for me to say that Wanda Sykes isn't funny. I think I've only seen one of her specials and I actually enjoyed it. But there's other content floating around, like that black lady sketch show on HBO, where universally I have yet to come across a single person who A, has seen it, and B, thinks it's funny. I have yet to meet that person in real life. But I mean, it's renewed and people pretend to like it in certain enclaves of the Internet. And I think it has more to do with identity than actual entertainment value.
0: But people will straight up say it in the threads like, um, "Okay, the Black Lady Sketch Show. Did you guys see that that horrible sketch, but sadly, typical sketch of the OG groupies and add some Negro League uh, groupies? And it's funny. The description sounds like It could be funny. Like, if you told me on the Chappelle show there was a Negro League groupie sketch, I would just run to the internet to see what it was, because I'd be sure it was funny. Or if it was, like, on Boondocks, if Boondocks like Negro League groupies, like, you know, even though, like, I have some problems with that show, I can admit that it's funny right um i bet it would be funny but i mean they totally whiffed on this to, to have a um baseball analogy to keep it with the thing like they did not even come close to um hitting the ball on on it and did you guys see the actual sketch yeah, I uh I watched I've seen
2: all the episodes. Um oh, wow. Yeah, I've seen every single episode. Hey, I got rid of cable, but I still got like HBO now, so I just <laughs> so
0: yeah. No, no, I was just giving I was just giving you respect for passing yeah. up on watching season three of Dear White People. But yeah, if you're gonna watch yeah. this, I I think you might as well <laughs> watch this. <laughs> oh, <God>.
2: uh, <laughs> right. So um yeah, with that, the black ladies uh sketch show. Like the first two episodes, I was just sitting there like, oh, this shit is whack. Like it was just, you know, I understood the concepts that they were throwing out there, but it just kind of hit the mark. And I didn't really like, what's that lady's name? I think Robin Thie, the real light skin one. She's, yeah. um, she did that HerTep skit, skit, which is, you know, making fun of so-called, you know, Hoteps online. And, you know, it's her, you know, in African garb with braids and going off and, you know, doing all these conspiracy theories type shit and I, I really didn't like that i felt like it was really dated you know yeah. i feel like a lot of the humor on the show is like 2014 2015 you know it's like you know four years too late you know what i'm saying and um and i it's don't four know years
0: too late online humor which is yeah, even worse yeah. because online it's something i read about online online is meant to be very fleeting like like online things get dated faster than the than real world Trends do so absolutely. Like 2014 absolutely. online topics is like 1994 real world topics. Exactly.
2: Yeah, everything ages like a banana online. Yeah, yeah. time moves yeah.
0: different. Yeah, but
2: I mean, there was some skits that I kind of chuckled at. Um Was it an episode? either three or four, they did the, the Romeo and like Julisa thing. And they were making fun of like the Cardi B hive and the, um, Nicki Minaj hive. And like the guy, Romeo was from like the Nicki Minaj, the Barb side. And Julisa was from the Cardi B hive. And they were at a party like dancing and stuff. And they couldn't be together because, you know, they were part of different, you know, cultures of, like that and they committed social media suicide by removing hashtags out their Instagram. So that was that was pretty funny. Like I I I chuckled at that. And they had the brother from Everybody's Hates Chris. But it's just a lot of the stuff, like I see what they're trying to do, but the execution, it just doesn't hit the spot
0: though. One reason I don't really relish how unfunny it is is because to give the robin feed woman some credit and the rest of the people that i've seen on the show like the other three as far as i know i've never heard her doing a bunch of black men are trash talking points i've never really seen her like uh either trash black men or black people in general. Like, you know, I've never seen her do a bunch of cringy, weird swirl humor that's like self-hating. I've never seen her do any of that. She's just always been corny. Corny, but she seems like nice, just clueless. Like like she's always uh, talking some very centrist, Democrat, like liberal, mainstream middle of the road type of talk. She's one of those black people who's, you know, very typical, but I've never seen anything like nasty by her that I know of but so i'm like i would like this to be better and i just feel disappointed that it's not and i can't really like relish it like i can with some other people all right y'all so that is the end of part one go to again patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two be good